this is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze. You know, the maze is our daily life. Um, yesterday morning, I woke up. I uh, was going to go do some training, and on the way to training, I got a phone call, and I got detoured, and it was like, if I wasn't mindful of the fact that it's okay to make changes along the path, uh, I probably would have gotten very anxious um, and maybe uh, even lost along the way, because that's what had happened to me in the past. Today, I have a guest. His name is Charles Smith, and I'm not going to tell you his story. I'm going to let him tell you about his journey, because when I read it, it's like, well, his journey is made for TV or the big screen, but it's real life. So, Charles, give us a little bit of background about who you were and who you are now. Well, who I was, um, I was orphaned at a young age. My parents died before I was a teenager. And then I lived with a family after that. Um, I was a an addict for a lot a lot of my my youth. Um, I ended up going in the military because my Aunt asked me, you know, go out and get a job and don't come back. And it's tough love that I needed at the time, I feel, because I was into drugs and into the party scene and all that, and I needed to get out of it, obviously. So I, I went into the Army Infantry, and I excelled in, in the military. Um I did very well, and then I came back, and let's just say life got a hold of me again, and I had a um, dark depression. My uncle and my grandfather died a month apart back in 2000, and it just was like losing my parents all over again. Oh. Yeah. And I ended up um, carving on myself to do something other than to feel something other than what I was feeling. And I ended up um, with a suicide attempt, a bottle of uh, sleeping pills. I carved the words FU world into my arm. And I went to sleep after taking a bottle of pills. And my my friends found me before I passed on. And um, now I tell people that that is the one thing that I'm grateful for that I killed it. Because I have my seven-month-old puppy right over there. I have um, my son. I'm talking to you. You know, I'm I'm going into motivational speaking. Um, the list just goes on and on. Sure. So, yeah. 
before your parents passed away, you were a young child. I'm mm -hmm. sure when you were growing up, you didn't envision any of this. None of us do. None of us think that our parents will ever die. They're immortal. They're there for us to take care of us. And so prior to their death, is it fair for me to assume that life was pretty decent, pretty good? That it, Even that had its ups and downs. My, my father um, lost everything and nobody knows why. I, I did research on the subject and couldn't find anything except for that it changed hands. But he had multiple nursing homes and he had uh, land all over the county. And one day it just poof up and up and smoke just disappeared. And my my grandfather had to build a, a duplex. If I could see through this wall in front of me, I could see the duplex that he had to build so <clears throat> we would have a place to live. So your your life hasn't always been um, very comfortable. You've always had some obstacles. Um, and it's not unusual when there's one obstacle after another for us to um, take it out on ourselves. And that's sort of what it sounds like you did when you got into the drugs. Um, when you talk about the military, the military, because it's so structured, is probably what helped you while you were there. Definitely. When you left the military, it sounds like you didn't have enough of those skills to take back home to keep yourself regimented. Is that correct? That would be the nail on the head, yes. <laughs> Definitely. So where do you think that turning point was for you when you finally said, okay, um, I took these sleeping pills. Um, I was saved by my friends, okay, which means that there are people in your life who care. Um, <clears throat> how did you then know that, hey, I have to take positive steps now rather than negative steps? Well, that wasn't until I really hit rock bottom and became homeless. And while I was homeless, I stayed in, in some veteran shelters. And in those shelters, I began to realize that I wasn't alone. You know, like all the um, the fellow veterans around there, and you know, they were all having issues just like me. You know, and at that point, I realized, you know, I I can either go down with the ship, or I can rise above and help these people too. You know, and learning that I had PTSD since I was six, because my mother died when I was six. So learning I had PTSD all that time, that really helped me out too, because I was able to 
um, you know, work on myself. Sure. And at that young of an age, you wouldn't have known that's what it was. It was the loss of your mother, the sadness. And sadly, in many families, we look at that and we say, well, children are resilient. Okay. And, you know, time will help them heal. And the reality of it is, it's not about just time helping us heal. It's about being vulnerable, being able to talk about what you're feeling. Because if you held in those feelings all those years, um, you were waiting to explode. I was. And I, I, I did hold in a lot of those feelings. And, you know, even after my father died when I was 11, my sister said that we came back here and to Massachusetts is where I'm at. We came back here and I um, was a mute for six months or more. And I didn't talk to anybody. I, I held everything in. I just... You know, I went to school the way I was supposed to and all that, but I was just a shell of the kid that I was. Well, and as a young, you know, child, it's very hard to know how to express those feelings. We sort of watch the people around us. Um, we do another show on, on grief on New Cleveland Radio, and... In one of the first segments, I said, you know, I remember when my mother's mother died. Even amongst all the sadness, I heard laughter in stories. And I didn't understand how you can go from feeling sad to feeling happy. But I asked, I was lucky enough that I could ask my mother at the age of nine, what's going on here? And my mother said, yes, you can be sad, but if you can go find those things that will keep you happy, those memories, you can heal. And right. that has helped me. But so many of us don't know that. Okay. Um, we see crying, yeah. we see laughter, and it's like, where does it all fit? And what am I supposed to be doing? And here you had lost your mother at six now your father at 11 um you're not old enough to be on your own and not knowing what was going to happen after that yeah exactly so it was, it was a very but, uh, traumatic time yeah so here you are in the homeless shelters and um you're finding that there are people like you was that really the turning point that, hey, I'm not the only one? After a while, it was, yes. Yes. I, I often call that my crucible. You know, it was the time where I can either lay down and die or rise up and, you know, make something of my life. And that's when I, I decided to... Um, you know, help out other people to I've run countless programs on PTSD on 
I've said my, my yeah. story, I don't even know how many times. <laughs> For those who are living, listening to this, PTSD is probably one of the toughest emotional diseases to go through. Because sometimes we hold it in and don't even realize we're holding in these emotions. And all we know is that we're hurting and that we're angry. And we look around and everybody else is happy. And, you know, we're dying on the inside. But until we can finally take the time to become mindful um, it's very difficult to work through it. So kudos to you for seeing that, getting into programs that would help you. So how did you then become a public speaker and turn your life around? Because you have, you have a son, you have a puppy. Um, I have a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> and Up all night and sleep all day. <laughs> And you're on a forward path. Mm. So how did you get there? Because from homeless to not being homeless is a big step. It is. It's a very, very huge step. Um, it took me years. I started with getting a job, um, living in a veteran shelter in Fort Devens in Massachusetts. And I got a job at uh, Sears. And I worked there until I was able to afford my own place. And then after that, I decided that I wanted to uh, run programs. So I, I did lot of research on PTSD, on um, positive thinking and all that. And I ended up running programs for a few different organizations in my area. And then my son was born and I had to make a decision because I really wasn't making the funding that I wanted to at that time. So I had to make a decision, go out and work full time or keep running these programs. And I went out and worked full time. So my first three, my programs turned into my first three books because I wanted to keep the information out there. So I, I talked them all in the books. Um, my book, Operation Tip, my book, uh, Happy Mind, and my book, Enlighten, were all programs that I ran. Interesting. The book, Happy Mind. Um, yes. So many individuals who have, and we all have emotional issues. So I think we should put that out there. I don't care how wonderful you think your life is. We all have emotional issues. But, oh, yeah. but you know, happy life. How There are some people 
who will say over and over again, I don't know how to be happy. And so, and I'm sure you ran into a lot of those individuals along the way. Oh, yeah. What is the first step to realizing that you can find happiness? I would say the first step is finding out what makes you smile. You know, like a lot of us, we don't know that something is making us happy, but if we're if we're having fun doing something, if we're smiling doing something, that's the key to happiness. You know, I wrote another book on um, the key to happiness, and it's through growth and change. And it's not about the almighty dollar or that crap. You know, I, I look at um, Robin Williams. I look at a lot of people that, Michael Bain, a lot of people that have taken their lives because, and they had all kinds of money, but they weren't happy. They were depressed. You know, they were lacking that one, that one aspect. You know, and but yeah, smiling, and that's also contagious too because people smile and then you smile and vice versa and everybody's happy. You know, it's interesting. I've shared this on many, many shows in the past. When I was working in corporate America, um, every Friday, my manager would call us in. She'd go around the room. There were uh, about eight of us. And one week would be, what's your favorite song? And next week, what's your favorite movie? And what's your favorite this and that? And I was going through a hard time. I wasn't showing it at work. But on these Friday meetings, I showed it because I couldn't tell you what my favorite movie was. I couldn't tell you what my favorite music was because internally I was trying to take care of so many other things. I didn't allow myself to accept that there was anything that really made me happy. Right. And it probably was after about six months I came home and I told my family, as much as I love my job, there's something wrong. And if I can't tell you what music I like, what food I like, what flower I like, I said, there's something terribly wrong. And my husband and my youngest son at the time, who was in his 20s, both looked at me and said, it's about time because they saw it in me, but nobody yeah. called me out on it. And I left corporate America and I knew what I had wanted to do my whole life. And basically this is it. It's podcasting, talking to other people, um, finding out how they've made it through their struggles, you know, mm. sharing amongst each other and not being afraid of being vulnerable. And I'll tell you for the last 10 years, I won't say I'm happy 24 seven, but I am a happy person. I can look outside when it's raining and appreciate the rain. And prior to that, I would see it raining 
and my day was ruined. Right. And your day doesn't have to be ruined because of one thing or two things that aren't going right. Right. Exactly. So now it's, uh, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. It's funny um, talking about like I don't know what makes me happy, and when you have PTSD, a lot of times your your emotions are kind of flatlined. You know, you don't know what makes you happy. You don't know what um, flower or food or movies or music you like. And you're not, how do I say this? Not like you're depressed. You just don't know um, that emotion is gone. You know, I kind of look at it like um, what they talk about the Jedis in the movies. You know, you're not supposed to have emotion. You're not supposed to. We don't have emotions, you know, at times. Like, I, I know I love my dog. I know right. I love my son. You know, this and that. But it's hard to express it. Total, totally understand. Yeah. So how do how do you get your speaking engagements or your the clients that you work with coaching? How do people find you? On uh lifelongexperience.net. Um they can find anything about me on there. Look at the previous podcast. If you want to um, have me on your podcast, you know, reach out. There's buttons at in the contact section. All my books are in there. My products are in there. Everything. So yeah. how does it feel now that you, you can express your emotions? Because you went for so much of your life without doing it. And now... Yeah. How does it feel? It feels good. It really does. You know, and there's still times where emotions flood in. You know, like I'm, I'm having fun and I'll, I'll feel like I'm going to cry, you know, because of that flood of emotions, you know, and it's um, one thing that I, I write about in my, my new book, The Power of a Happy Mind, is I I remember last year walking in um, a place called Purgatory Chasm. And I had my headphones. I was ready to hear my headphones through the whole walk and this and that. And I... I, I I put them back in my pocket. You know, I'm like, I don't need to have something drowning out the noise anymore. You know, because I, I used to have headphones on a lot because I had all those thoughts and everything coming into my head and whatnot. And yeah, that was one of the most peaceful walks that I've ever went on. 
and I just walked and I listened to nature, you know. You know, that is so beautiful because my sister-in-law one day said to me, um, I wear hearing aids. And she said, what was it like the first day you put your hearing aids in? And I said, oh, I hated it. There was just too much noise. And she said, but how does it feel now? I said, it's wonderful because I may not hear as clearly as I did before, but I do hear. I can go out and I can hear the birds singing as we're sitting here, even with all the uh, deadening uh, material I have in this room, I can hear the landscapers outside with the uh, mowing the lawn. And mm. it's it brings back life. It brings back feelings and thoughts. And, you know, sometimes, like you said, those thoughts aren't the best, but we can shake them away because we now have a toolbox. And I know I've had some of my clients say, well, you keep talking about this toolbox. What is it? Well, it's not a, a box that you really carry around with you, but it's the things that you learn that work for you. So are there any specific things that typically work for you, Charles, when maybe those unhappy thoughts start coming through? Um, taking a step back and you know, remembering where I am, you know, even having a, a talk with yourself. I'm here, I'm talking to Karen, you know, I'm not back in the Bradley that I was in that exploded, you know, that sort of thing. Um, martial arts is a big one for me, boxing. Um, sometimes I'll go to the gym and hit the hit the uh, the heavy bag, and just get out all my negative energy out through that. You know, working out, um, going for walks with Todd, my dog, Sweeney Todd. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. It's just getting away from the present moment and doing something that you enjoy. Well, last year, um. I, I took a course on positive intelligence. And one of the things that they talk about in that course, um, they're called PQ reps. And one of those PQ reps is when I want to disengage from something that maybe is clouding my mind or taking me the wrong way, just rubbing your fingertips together. And people don't even have to notice that you're doing it, but it can be distracting. Because you say to yourself, let me feel my fingertips. Are there grooves? Is it smooth? What does it feel like? Am I doing it slow? Am I doing it fast? And I will tell everyone, when I started taking the course, I was so adamant. I'm not going to do these silly little things. But then I found other things that I could do besides that. Sometimes it was just tapping the side of my leg, especially when I'm doing a podcast. Nobody can see it, but you know, if the subject isn't getting where I feel it needs to be, 
It's the way of calming myself down. Um, I hate driving on the freeway. And so another trick that I have learned is I look at the car in front of me and I believe it's it's taking me across. It's taking me through the freeway. So I'm not driving. And yet I am driving, but that's my way of settling my breath down and settling things down. And so there are things we all can do, but we have to want to do them. And I'm sure that you've seen that with individuals that you've worked with. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've seen it myself, you know, too. Yeah. You know, like, I'm now in the routine where I, uh, I'm working out again every day and this and that, but I'm just coming off of a leave of absence from my work. And I, I was really overwhelmed and I, I neglected to do everything that I know that is in my toolbox that I, I could have done to help myself. I just let myself go, you know? And so, even even the the motivational speakers and the people that are motivational, you know, inspiring. We go through the tough times too. We still go through the tough times, and what matters is how we overcome that. Those were the uh, best words you could have used because we do go through our spirals, or we do get complacent um and i know that i've been the same way okay but i've also learned not to beat myself up over it um because what do i get out of that i just make the spiral go faster and faster so by accepting the fact that okay i fell off the wagon for a while i know how to get back up and it's my choice to do that. So what's it like being a dad? That's the most amazing feeling in the world. You know, um, I'm 50 years old now. He's 11. And you know, I, I, I can't imagine my life without him in it, you know, and a lot of my life before him or his sister, for that matter, she's 13, not my biological daughter, but I consider her my, my own. Sure. Um, you know, a lot of my life, I was like, I'm never having kids. Kids is not, I'm, I'm not the uh, American dream person. You know, I'm not the wife and kids and white picket fence type of person. You know, and now that I have them, I'm like, you know, this is what I've I wanted. You know, and even with Sweeney Todd over there, you know, he's my kid too. He's my, my third child over there. <laughs> I I love that. I love that. Um and having a bonus child is absolutely wonderful um oh yeah. yeah and the fact that you really didn't 
have that true family when you were young, mm. that you're now able to provide that for your family. And that is kudos to you for finding your way, creating your toolbox and helping so many other people who are struggling. That is, that's wonderful. Thank you. And I, I think that's what it's all about. You know, during my leave of absence, I was kind of, uh, you know, thinking of, um, you know, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? Do I want to keep going down this path? You know, and then every time I, I see an idiot on a cell phone in, on, in their car, I remember a couple months ago, I was driving down Route 20 in, in my area, and I seen a car all over the place, you know, to the point where I called the police. I was like, I'm following this car and this and that. And as I'm talking to the cop, the car runs a red light. And I'm like, and, you know, you got into an accident. And, um, you know, I, I, I stopped, made sure everybody was okay. The cops came. But then, you know, I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, it, it was like an, having compassion fatigue. But now I'm I'm seeing myself as, you know, yes, I'm allergic to stupidity. But not everybody in the world is stupid. Right. <laughs> I like a better term. You know, there's, there's a lot of good, good people out there that deserve the support that I can give. Well, and there's a lot of people in this world who are not as lucky as you and I that we have found the tools that we use, that we accept the fact that life will never be perfect, but we can make it as perfect as possible each day. And as long as we are doing our best, what we can't ask for much more than that. And those around us as well. And I've, since I've been practicing this, and let me tell you, 10 years may sound like a long time, but there have been days just like you. I don't want to do this anymore. But then right. when I think about how I felt 10 years ago, I don't want to be there either. So I'm going to keep doing this because this is what makes me happy. Mm. Charles, it was wonderful having you on today. We're going to put all your information in the show notes. Um, Thank you. Enjoy your family. Uh, just keep making each day a better day for you. Yeah. I hope you do too. And to the listeners out there, you know, don't give up hope. No matter how bad things get, we know that, you know, we're in a very difficult time right now. But, you know, don't give up hope. Focus on your life and you'll come out on top. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. Thank you very much. <laughs>